another episode of the Sports Rep Podcast. And right now, we are going to jump right into our coverage or our recap of the first round of the NFL draft. The, I'm going to go through these fairly quick, and I may have some commentary about a little bit things here, maybe a couple. But I'm going to try and get through these um, and give you an understanding of what I think the pick is and what that pick does for each team. Uh, first round, pick number one, the Jacksonville Jaguars take something that they desperately needed. They take Trevor Lawrence, the QB, out of Clemson. He's the best quarterback um, I, I, Yeah, arguably the best quarterback in the draft right. um, that could probably come in and play right away play. and fit right into an right. NFL program. Number two, the Jets take another quarterback, Zach Wilson, out of BYU. Also um, high on the quarterback list in this draft. The 49ers at number three take Trey Lance, another quarterback. So there's three quarterbacks taken in the first three picks. Uh, Number four, the Falcons take Kyle Pitts, the most tallied tight end out of Florida, who I find out last minute is a Philly native with a oh, Philadelphia oh, yeah. agent. So shout-outs to Kyle Pitts for being a Philadelphia native and being drafted. Also, shout-outs to my guys um, down at the North Philly Aztecs. Okay. Mitch, I didn't know that he was an Aztec product, but you guys are doing great things. And, again, Mitch, we definitely got to talk to get you guys up here right. on the show. Number five, the Bengals reunite uh, their quarterback, Joe Burrow, with his wide receiver, Jamar Chase, out of LSU. Congrats. Number six, the Dolphins take Jalen Waddle, the wide receiver from Alabama. Number seven, the Lions take Panay Sewell, offensive tackle out of Oregon. There were some questions about that pick as far as it being the Lions pick. Right. And they could have went some other ways and some other needs, but maybe they saw something in this young man or saw something that they really needed to get this young man right. when they could, so they got him. The Panthers take J.C. Horn cornerback out of South Carolina, mm-hmm. arguably one of the best, if not the best. He's like top two. Um, someone that the Eagles were looking at, and they had attempted to try and move up. They couldn't move up far enough to get him, yeah. so they missed out on him. Right behind that, at number nine, the Denver Broncos take arguably the best cornerback in the draft, Patrick Sertain out of Alabama. The Eagles uh, moved up to number 10, initially going into the draft night, uh, they were at 12. They made a trade miraculously with the Cowboys to get that number 10 pick. And they make a very good selection in taking the current Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, the wide receiver out of Alabama. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we break down uh, the rest of the Eagles picks after the fact. The Bears um, finally pick a quarterback, something that they feel like they someone they feel like they can actually use and utilize in their system. They take Justin Fields, the quarterback out of Ohio State. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys, after the trade with the Philadelphia Eagles, they select Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State. Chargers uh, take another offensive tackle out of Northwestern, Rashawn Slater. The Jets, again, for their second pick in the first round at number 14, take Elijah Vera Tucker, a guard, offensive guard out of USC. The Patriots at number 15 select Mac Jones, the quarterback from Alabama. The Cardinals at number 16 take Zayvon Collins, the linebacker out of Tulsa. The Raiders at number 17, Alex Leatherwood, the offensive tackle out of Bama. 
The Dolphins take Jalen Phillips, uh, defensive end out of Miami at number 18. Number 19, the Washington football team takes Jameen Davis, the linebacker out of Kentucky. The Giants at number 20 take Kadarius Toney, a wide receiver out of Florida. The Colts at number 21 take Quiddy Pay, the defensive end out of Michigan. 22, the Titans take Caleb Farley, the cornerback from Virginia Tech. The Vikings at number 23 take Christian Darisaw, offensive tackle from Virginia Tech. Steelers at number 24 take Najee Harris, the running back out of Alabama. The Jaguars, with their second pick in the first round, take Travis Etienne, the running back from Clemson. The Browns at number 26 select Greg Newsom, the cornerback out of Northwestern. The Ravens at 27 take Rashad Bateman, wide receiver from Minnesota. The Saints at number 28, Peyton Turner, defensive end from Houston. Packers at number 29 take Eric Stokes, cornerback out of Georgia. The last three picks of the first round, the Bills at number 30, Gary Rousse- Gregory Rousseau, defensive end out of Miami. The Ravens, Odafe Owe, another linebacker from Penn State. And closing out, the first round, pick number 32, Tampa Bay Buccaneers take Joe Tyron, linebacker out of Washington. This year's Mr. Irrelevant also goes to the Bucks. the final pick of the 2021 NFL Draft, number 259, is a young man, Grant Stewart, the linebacker out of Houston, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So those are your first round picks uh, for the NFL draft for 2021. So we saw all the moving around. The Eagles moved. They made those moves uh, before the draft with Miami and San Francisco. They had moved out of 6 to 12. Then they ultimately moved back up to 10, giving the San Francisco 49ers the number three pick Mm -hmm. to grab a quarterback. So that leads me to believe that the Jimmy G experiment is over yeah, for them. But he's not going to stay there. I don't understand the money he was given when he was signed there. Right. Um, it, was, was <laughs> it, it was just hard to believe that he got that much money being a backup. Right. And I understand who he was backing up. He was backing up Tom Brady, yeah. But obviously that meant that he really didn't see the field an awful lot. Right. Um, they did get to the Super Bowl with the with the plethora of picks that they had a year back, but I think the coaching was what got them to the Super Bowl, and I think because of their youth, they got overwhelmed in that big game. So the Eagles have had mixed views about um, some of their picks. Uh, again. The first pick, number 10, which they moved up in the first round to get Devontae Smith, and I, in my opinion, was a great pick. Something unexpected from the current regime that's in office right now. But but I think that was a great pick for the Philadelphia Eagles, who wide receivers were had the third least total yardage as a group in the NFL last year. So I think that's going to be a big improvement. And also it's going to have some assistance for Jalen Hurts, who can be a little bit more comfortable yeah. because he has a familiar foe, familiar face out there with him. Wow. Number two, 
In second round, number 37, I think it's the biggest question uh, for the Eagles. And that was, pick was Landon Dickerson, the center out of Alabama. Nice pick. Um, people say it was a nice pick. Some people argue due to his injury report. Right. Uh, the Eagles selected him there knowing that they will soon need a replacement for Jason Kelsey. Right. Definitely it probably won't happen this year. I'm not sure of his age, but it definitely won't happen this year. But at some point down the line, very soon, they realize they will need a replacement for him. Now, the discussion and the little bit of confusion about this pick is, the, like I said, the history, the injury history of this young man. He's had injuries that were season-ending injuries. Um, even had one in the most recent run, but he did come back and have a couple snaps in the national championship game. But that's a big concern for a lot of the Eagles constituency, the Eagles fans, that it's a very questionable pick due to his injury and his health. Yeah. Um, in the third round at number 73, uh, which they got in a trade from Carolina, the Eagles select Milton Williams, a defensive tackle out of Louisiana Tech which appears to be, overall, a pretty solid pick for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. As we know, they have a lot of premise, or they pride a lot in their defensive line and their offensive lines. Right. Uh, so they made that pick there. And the fourth round, the number 123, they do get a cornerback, uh, Zach McPherson, the cornerback out of Texas Tech. Right. Not too sure how I feel about that pick. Uh, unfortunately, the two major cornerbacks that were um, in the eyes of just about every NFL team were gone before the Eagles even picked in the first round. So you would think that maybe they could have done something with that second round pick instead of taking that center there is what a lot of people have been saying. Mm -hmm. In the fifth round, number 150, they take Kenneth Gainwell, the running back out of Memphis who a lot of people are saying could be um, a steal of the draft. So I read some things, and, and it looks like, and what I'm hearing is that the Eagles' new coaching staff are going to try and have a running back by committee, right. which would help uh, Miles Sanders. Also, this young man, Kenneth Gainwell, uh, is a running back that usually does a lot of work out of the backfield as far as being a receiver, screenplay, screen short passes. Um, he can line up in the slot. And he can cause a lot of problems, a lot of mismatch problems between linebackers and safeties. So I think they're going to use that um, to their advantage in the off the, the new staff in their new offense. Uh, the first they ended up with three picks after a couple other trades in the second in the sixth round. I'm sorry, the first one in the sixth round, number one eighty nine. They take another defensive tackle, Marlon Tui-Pulatu, a defensive tackle out of USC. Another thing that they have pride in, and they know that maybe Brandon Graham's best years are starting to get behind him, and Derek Barnett is on the last year of his rookie contract. So maybe they are looking for some improvements there. With the second pick in the sixth round, number 191, mm -hmm. they take Tayron Jackson, another defensive end mm -hmm. from Coastal Carolina. The final pick in the sixth round, number 224, they take Jacoby Stevens, the safety out of LSU. Mm -hmm. And then the final pick for the Eagles in the seventh round, number 234, 
They take Patrick Johnson, an outside linebacker, out of Tulane. There. So for me, if him? if I had to give them a grade, right. um, I'm thinking I'm gonna go maybe B minus, yeah, B B minus. Like I said, I feel like they did do some things on the defense, but it's familiar with the Eagles on the defensive line. I feel, I feel like they should have focused a little bit more attention in yeah, that right. secondary. Yeah. Um, the offensive linemen they can get because I'm gonna give you. A couple things that they picked up as undrafted free agent signings. But I think they could have attempted to pay a little bit more attention to that secondary, which definitely needs some help. Uh, Darius Darius Slay is pretty much the only person out there, so he definitely needs some help out there. He definitely needs a partner on the other side that can um, hold his own on that other side at the corner. So prior to the draft, the Eagles also had made some free agent signings, Mm -hmm. which could possibly help. Um, in the secondary, they drafted Andrew Adams. Well, they signed Andrew Adams, safety from the world champion Bucks. They signed Joe Flacco, which was very, very much talked about. They officially, officially re-signed uh, running back Jordan Howard mm-hmm. to bring him in. Hopefully, he can do some things a little bit more than what he did when he was here with Doug. They also signed Anthony Harris, uh, safety from the Minnesota Vikings, who is familiar with the newly minted defensive coordinator. And also from the Vikings, a linebacker, Eric Wilson, who is also familiar with the newly minted Eagles defensive coordinator. The free agent undrafted signings, wide receiver Trayvon Grimes out of Florida, which I think is a good signing. I think he will fight and have an opportunity to make this team this year considering uh, what the uh, offensive wide receiver core looked like. Quarterback Jamie Newman out of Georgia. Um, I think he'll just be around possibly for practice squad purposes. Defensive end Jaquan Bailey out of Iowa State. They got another center, Harry Kreider out of Indiana. Another tight end, Jack Stroll out of Nebraska. Offensive guard, Coyote Awasika out of Buffalo. And another wide receiver from Texas A&M, Jamon Osborne. So, again, overall, I think if I had to grade the Eagles draft this year, B, right? surprisingly, I would give them a B minus. Because, okay. like I said, I still feel like they could have paid a little bit more attention secondary. to that secondary, which is definitely a need, right. um, has been a need for the past couple years. Oh, you got line. Line. So, I think the offensive line will be okay because these guys will be back from injury. Yeah. Uh, Lane Johnson should come into camp he healthy. He's retiring, right? Who? He's going to retire. Nope. I don't think Peterson is retiring right. yet. Okay. But uh, Mylotta is coming along is, 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 and is developing into a football player right. now after being a rugby player, I believe. But right. he's now developing into a football player. Um, they were missing another injury when Brandon Brooks, who should be back. Uh-huh. So the offensive line, I think, will be okay. Right. Uh, they've got some good pieces on that line for their draft picks, their rookies, to learn from. Right which is a good thing. They pretty much shored up that uh, defensive line right. as they have had one of the best defensive lines um, in a long time, in a few years in the NFL. Right. Uh, they brought in some linebackers, a couple. I think they need to pay or have some more value in that linebacker position right. and develop and get some linebackers in here. Uh, but again... That secondary, 
I think is the biggest, biggest question mark right. on that Eagles defense because Darius Slate can't guard everyone. Nah. So unless some of these young guys can come in and produce uh, some of those free agents that they sign maybe can switch and play that corner from the safety position, mm-hmm. still yet to see. But again, it also could possibly depend on the scheme that they want to run as a defense and see how these guys fit in. So, yeah, uh, B-minus would be the grade for me for uh, the Eagles draft. So it wasn't too bad. Um, Slightly a little bit better than what I expected. Mm -hmm. Again, I was somewhat surprised with the selecting of Devontae Smith at number 10. He's good, though. very good. Like I said, ultimately he was the Heisman Trophy winner. And he just shows you some things at that position that the Eagles didn't have the last couple of years. Um, he's got somebody, you now have somebody that will make every attempt to um, have every attempt to get to the uh, ball and make a play on the ball. Definitely. Um, and he catches the ball. Like we know, a lot of a lot of Eagles' issues were drop passes, mm-hmm. things of that nature. And he looks like he catches the ball. The other young man from Florida as an undrafted free agent, which I think mm-hmm. will fight and end up making this team and be a part of this team, Trayvon Grimes, another big, strong receiver who goes and gets the ball at his highest point, right. can catch the ball and can run. At, right. And he has the size, 6'4". Uh, I think Devontae Smith is only like 6'1", but that 6'4 size is really going to be a big help yeah. for Trayvon Grimes yeah. um, in the scheme of things. Right. So they didn't take a quarterback. They brought in Joe Flacco, and then they draft a familiar face of Jalen Hurts from his college ranks, right. which leads me to believe now a little bit more. I'm not 100% there yet, but it still leads me to believe that they are going to give Jalen Hurts every opportunity to be the starter. And I say that that way because they have not yet named, officially named him the official uh, starter. So I think this draft um, has given him some help and has given uh, some more juice to his side of that issue where he's going to get every opportunity, every chance he can to become the starter of the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think there's a problem. I think that should be the case with him. Because he showed you that in the few games that he started, that he can be a quarterback at this level. And now you have some weapons there that he's familiar with, and you got some other weapons that you brought in that could possibly help. Ultimately, there has been no move on any any more recent news on Zach Ertz, which could mean that Zach Ertz could be here for this upcoming season. Still yet to see when a lot of people were thinking that they would have traded him at some point during the draft or by the end of the draft, but that did not happen as we saw. So hopefully that means that he'll be around for the the opening of the season, which would be a good thing Mm -hmm. for the Eagles. Um, Familiar with, I mean, it's going to be a new offense, but he's familiar with the quarterback because he has played with him a little bit past season. And it will help the transition and all of that. So I think um, that he'll be back. And I think that's a very good thing for the the Philadelphia Eagles and having him back. So, again, like I said, we talked a little bit about 
in the beginning of the draft, the 49ers, since I got Frank here yes, with the Jimmy G situation. <laughs> and they take the quarterback out of North Dakota State. Um, another move for them, like I said, that pretty much tips their hat, um, reveals their hand right. that the marriage with Jimmy G is coming right. or is at an end. I also said throughout that season when they made that run to the Super Bowl right. that the coach, Kyle Shanahan, did his job in every way, shape, and form where he made the game relatively easy mm-hmm. for Jimmy G. And then they also had a load of talent right. around him that also made it easier for him. Mm-hmm. But I think as the progression of the seasons, when he didn't progress with the team, there were some issues and there were some questions coming up. But again, you know, like I said, I was a little surprised when he signed there with the money that he signed for, like I said, being a backup. Um, You know, you can't expect this guy to jump right in and be that great starter that you think he might be when he hadn't really played a lot on the field. They paid him for potential. He, he He was playing behind Tom Brady. So there was like little or no shot of him ever right. taking the field. Right. Barring injuries, um, lopsided games, things of that nature. Right. Um, he did end up playing a little bit, but not enough for a team at that particular moment right. with championship aspirations to bring him in to be the starter right. at that position. So... I'm guessing they learned their lesson and they drafted a quarterback. Now the question becomes, how are they going to filter him in? Is he going to start immediately? Or are they going to give Jimmy G or whoever a couple games to bring him along to catch him up? So, we'll see. Can I knock it out? They definitely, this is what Kyle Shanahan said. He said he is going to be the starter. But in my personal opinion, he's not going to stay healthy all 17 games. And, mm-hmm. and on top of that, D, if he plays bad, quote-unquote, Trey Lance is in there. And this guy is going to take – he's going to take him a while. He needs a year under that belt. They said uh, – I was talking to a buddy in my head, Patriots fan. He said, Frank, he's going to be good. He's going to remind – he's a bigger version of Russell Wilson. He only has 17 starts, but he's going, he's going to be – and Kyle Shanahan, anybody he was going to get, he can coach him up. So to answer the question – he um, provided Jimmy G don't start. I don't think he's going to start 17 games. He's going to get hurt. It could be week 9, week 12. He's going to mm-hmm. get some playing. I think so. Well, we'll I see. I want to apologize, man. I'm going to apologize. You and uh, Baldy. Baldy probably won't let. I, 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 I was the biggest fan of his, and I was protecting him. No more. No more. <laughs> Baldy, I hope you tuned in and hear this. If not, it's definitely yeah. going to be up on Facebook yeah. so you can check it out and hear yeah, what he said. Pretty much. So. He said yeah. that. I he has a new overrated, buddy. He, he has a newfound yeah. love or recognition I'll, I'll for Jimmy G. So now he's all on the rookie. He's on Trevor Lance. He's on the rookie now, yeah. Baldy. So yeah. just so you know, he's here. <laughs> yeah. And he has finally come to grips with yeah. the mistake of yeah, or the call the questions about God, Jimmy G. Yeah, Jimmy it is now eleven fifty four. Fifty four minutes uh, what's going on? past. The 11 a.m. hour. 
We're going to take our first break. Yes, sir. When we return, uh-huh. we're going to get into some Sixers. We're going to get into some NBA because we are now uh-huh. into the playoff push. And then there are a couple other things that we got mixed in that I want to get to. So we'll see you on the other side in just a couple of minutes. You are tuned in to Sports Rap, Heat 100 Radio. Yes, sir. Stay tuned. We'll see you on the other side in just a few minutes. Taking a quick break. Hey, team, how you doing? For rejoining us for this episode, this second half of this episode of the Sports Rap Podcast right here on Heat 100 Radio and most of your podcast outlets. Just to let you know, quick announcement, folks. You know where we are. Facebook, Sports Rap Podcast is the group. You can get us live there. I know you're tuned in, so you can give us your comments. We can leave them there now or later, and we'll get to them and get to try and get to read some. Also, Sports Rap is, has openings for interviews. If you have a sports-related business, you're a sports company, you do something in sports, or you do something with the youth. You you can book your spot with us on an interview here, right here in studio on Heat 100 Radio on the Sports Rap Podcast. So for that, get, just DM me, message me in the group uh, at Sports Rap underscore D. Sports Rap Podcast is the group. You can message me or DM there, and then I will give you email information and give you more information and more details on how you can book your interview and be part of Sports Rep Podcast. Or if you have a business and you would like to sponsor the Sports Rep Podcast, we can also talk about that. Same way. DM on Instagram, message on Facebook, and I'll give you the email right now. SportsRap at Yahoo.com is the email where you can obtain more information and more detail on how you can go about either being here for an interview or becoming a sponsor of the Sports Rep Podcast. So we're going to move on, and we know it's April, well, it's May now. So we had the NFL draft, which is usually one of the biggest look-forward-to moments in sports. So we've had that. So now we just have to wait until training camp. Schedule's coming out soon, and, you know, we'll definitely give you um, the, the, has, the what have you on that. And moving into basketball, we have – Basically, a three-team race for the number one seed in the East. The East uh, Sixers are right now currently in first place. Milwaukee. Milwaukee is in third place, and the Brooklyn Nets are in second place. Right. Brooklyn Nets took a loss to the Milwaukee Bucks, so shout out to the Milwaukee Bucks for beating them yesterday. Right. Sixers almost gave one away yesterday, uh-huh. um, but they ultimately went into overtime and toughed it out and snuck out of San Antonio with the two-point win there, putting them in first place. So their schedule, again, like we mentioned last week, is a lot favorable to the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, Most of the teams that they will play are pretty much out of the playoff race. Mm -hmm. Starting with tonight, the Chicago Bulls are are eliminated from playoff contention. But it's imperative that the Sixers continue to win and beat these teams. Because, um, perfect example, last night's game, it showed that even though, well, the Spurs are fighting for the 10th spot. So they're somewhere around there. So they have something to fight for. The other teams really don't have anything to play for. But it's imperative that the Sixers win. Because Milwaukee is doing some things right now. 
I'm still not 100% sold on them as far as once they get into the playoffs. But they have made some key additions in P.J. Tucker and Drew Holiday. So that may help them some. So it's imperative that the Sixers stay within that one seed. And they have to handle their business. They have to win. So the teams like the Spurs and the Bulls, um, they've got Orlando twice coming up. They've got Houston coming up. Teams that they should beat, they need to beat. And our starters have to continue to play. So that means... The young pieces, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the young pieces in a second. They have to get this viable playing time. That way you don't have to go into the alleged load management with your starters. You can rest them with the starters. I mean, you can rest them with the Brents playing in these games that you can blow out these teams. Like the the, uh, the most recent three games before prior to last night, they had won by a total of 97 points. So they were all blowouts. So the starters had a lot of time to rest late in those games. And again, the start, the bench, I mean, the bench is picking up some very, very viable playing time. Mm -hmm. Also, it is giving George Hill time to get his comfortability level up with the team and with the system and with the terminology of the coaching staff and their system. So that's a beautiful thing for the Sixers. And I think ultimately they may end up in that number one seed, right. which would be the best thing for them. Because then that means they probably wouldn't see Milwaukee or Brooklyn until the conference finals. Right. Um, the Sixers definitely have the potential to be in that spot. And they just have to, like I said, take care of business mm-hmm. and, and get things done. I want them to have... The one number one seed, I think they can get the number one seed because although uh, Milwaukee beat us three times and Milwaukee has the tiebreaker against us, they're still chasing. And again, like I said, the Sixers' schedule is very, very favorable to them. But they've got to take care of business. We can't have the relapse like we had last night against uh, San Antonio. And again, San Antonio does have something to play for. They could possibly end up in that play-in tournament. So, you know, I've always said this about the Spurs uh, since I've been doing this podcast for the past seven years and even prior to it. They always find a way to get in, no matter what kind of season they're having. That organization is like one of the stellar organizations in the NBA. One of the stellar, most one of the most respected or highly respected right. coaches in the NBA, and they always find a way to make some noise and get in the playoffs at yes, the sir. end of the season. Right. So the Sixers, with their most recent wins, like I said, out of the last four games, three of them they had a win total of ninety-seven points. Right. Again, they were blowouts. So these young players, this young core, has had opportunities to get valuable minutes that will help in the playoffs because we all know the playoffs is a totally different animal it's a brand new season but it's a different atmosphere and like we say it's a different animal so their young core that is developing and i've got a couple names here i'm going to talk a little bit about before i get into some other things and one of the Biggest uh, successes of the young people is, I believe, is Shake Milton. Uh, I've said this from the beginning of the season 
that there's finally a coaching staff and a head coach that is paying full attention to the skill set of Shake Milton, like Milton and has him in the right role right now as the sixth man. No, I don't believe he's a starter like um, as of yet in the NBA, but what he's been showing me, except for the little 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 block that he was in right. for part of the season, for the most part, the overall body of work yeah, like is showing me that he could be a very good bench player and, and could eventually like get Martin. into right. um, becoming a starting right. a starting guard. Right. I think because of his um, adaptness to get to the basket off the dribble yeah, is what helps him a lot. His size mm. helps him a lot. Uh-huh. And being coached by Larry Brown at SMU, um, was a big help to him. And like I said, he now has a coach and a coaching staff that are paying 1,000% to his skill set and his right. talent level right. and have him in the right position where he is succeeding in the six-man position. Right. <clears throat> and you see how valuable he is because there have been a lot of games where he was on the court to close out a lot of those games. Right. So they have seen the talent level of him and they've seen right. how he's grown and have put him in the right position to right. continue to be successful. Right. The second one, Furkan Korkmaz, who has improved. Uh, there may be some people that would argue with me and say that uh, he's still the same. I see him utilizing um, a little bit more of a basketball IQ right now where he has a pretty good pump fake that can get him you know, the pump fake and the one dribble to the side to get that three-pointer off or get that foul on that defensive player to get those three foul shots to get those three points. He's also been doing a little bit more off the dribble now. And he's looks like he's taking some time to begin to focus on the defensive end of the ball. So he's not as much as a liability as he has been in the past couple of years. Um, he is an unrestricted free agent, I believe, at the end of the season. But he has since, and within the, within the most recent couple days, mm-hmm. put out there that he would like to remain here with the Sixers, um, comfortable level, comfortability level, you know, and just being here and getting the shot here, right. and wanting to stay in this organization because he probably sees what could be within the next couple years, starting with this year. Right. Next up is Matisse Thybul. We all know about his offensive woes. And the thing that I like about this is he comes in and he's ready to play defense right from the start. He's on go, ready to play defense. The offense can be taught. It is very, very hard to teach the almost nearly impossible to teach defense. On the defensive end, um, it's a lot of effort, yeah, and it takes a lot of pride, right. and he has that. Mm-hmm. He shows that. Um, arguably in the running for defensive player of the year this okay. year. So that's another thing that is a help for them, and that will help in the postseason, especially with the defensive um, skill set of Joel and Ben. Right. With a third-wing defender, it's going to make it tough. For teams to get points and get buckets where they would have to possibly change their scheme and and things of that nature. So I think that's going to help. And like I said, the offense, offense can be taught. Uh, 
you know, you can put him in situations where he won't have to do much to get points, which they do now. Mm-hmm. He does need to work on that jump shot. I, I agree with a lot of people there. Right. But like I said, that can come. Um, but his defensive prowess is something that that's is good. definitely going to be needed in the playoffs. It's definitely something that's rare for a player only in his second year in the NBA where his defensive level is right now. It's very rare right. that you get that um, in that young of a player. Right. Tyrese Maxey, the point guard from Kentucky, who has a lot of the tools offensively of the small guard. He does get a little reluctant to shoot the three, but he can drive to the basket and finish. He has that floater that you need as a small guard in the NBA, and he has the confidence to be out there and play. Again, different coaching staff, which is beneficial for him. He's got two guys that have played in the NBA. One is a two-time champion. The other one was no slouch himself. And I'm speaking of Sam Gasell and Doc Rivers, the head coach and the associate head coach, who were point guards in this league, who can teach him along the way. And again, the things that he needs can be taught. Um, The defense for him, I think it's just going to be a matter of him catching up with the speed of the NBA game and getting comfortable with the speed of the NBA game and the NBA guards. So I think that will come. Then there's Isaiah Joe, who is a shooter and who showed that he can shoot. He can be a shooter in the NBA. Uh, Unfortunately, some of the other younger guys are playing better than him. So his minutes have been pretty limited. Uh, But I think he could be another piece in the future that could help out. A little undersized. He will need to pick up some weight, get a little stronger, and do some things on the defensive end, work on his defense. But I also think he could be uh, some help down the stretch. Finally, Paul B-Ball Reed, the reigning MVP of the G League. Surprisingly, there has to be, or the coaching staff now, I think has to find a way to get him some more minutes in these next eight, nine games, I think, that are remaining, mm-hmm. to give him a possibility ability to play a little bit in the playoffs. And we all know, usually when you get to the playoffs, your rotation gets cut a little bit short mm-hmm. than normal. But the experience that these guys are getting now will help because they may be able to be bumped up on different days into that rotation depending on how teams are playing, what team you're playing, and what guys are out there doing. Mm-hmm. So there may be some room for him in there. But I think also in the long run, definite, definitely a quality piece right. that could help the Sixers uh, down the stretch. So we move. Like I said, the Sixers are right now currently in the number one seed. Right. And I didn't write this down. But Frank's not going to like me. In a few minutes, because oh I mentioned this uh, when Anthony Davis first got injured, then I also brought it back up when LeBron got injured. And LeBron has returned. AD has. They both have returned. But one of the things I mentioned, and just analyzing basketball 
and the way things were beginning to change and shape up in the West. I said, what if the Lakers got to a point where they would end up in the play-in tournament? Right now, as I look this morning, they currently sit at number seven in the West. Started out the season between two and three. They had some injuries. Players have returned. But during that time that those guys were out, the fort was not held up as sturdy as it could have been or as it should have been. And right now, they're currently sitting, looking at the seventh seed. Which leads me also to my next point, where I saw also this morning that LeBron James now currently has an issue with the play-in tournament. So could that be because you guys have fell into that spot now? Maybe. And you don't know how to handle that coming off of being the reigning uh, NBA champions? So, again, just to refresh your memory, folks, the NBA has instituted a new playoff policy. So it's been in since the beginning of the season. So everyone involved knew it was coming. There was not a lot of talk about it from players prior to this moment, especially not LeBron James. Now, people, just so you understand, what I'm giving you now are my thoughts and my opinions only, and I am not being a LeBron basher. I'm just giving you information, calling a spade a spade, and I'm asking what is the reason now that he has an issue with this play-in tournament and allegedly has stated that he wants the person, or he allegedly stated that the person that created it should be fired. So here's again how this playoff tournament is going to go. Teams one through six in each conference are in. They've expanded seven, eight, nine, and ten. So you know it's only eight teams that make the NBA playoffs. So you got seven, eight, nine, and ten. Four teams who will have a play-in tournament. The way it's set up, seven and eight will play one game for the seven seed. Okay? Nine and ten will play. The loser of the seven, eight seed game will play the winner of the 9-10 seed game to get the eighth spot. So, uh, to me, it's not confusing to me. The only thing I don't like is the fact that there's going to be one team that's going to end up playing twice. So, one team is going to end up playing twice. So, if I were doing it, I think that I would go Seven and eight will play for the seventh seed, and nine and ten will play for the eighth seed. Right. Just that simple. That's the way I would do it. But that's not. I'm just me. Like I said, I'm right. just me. I'm just here, and I'm not part of the NBA. But I mentioned this a while back, right. um, and it, it seems like there's an issue. With it, because now the Lakers may end up having to play in that play-in tournament, right. and they said a lot of people there's a team that's in the AFC so that could give them a run for their money. 
today, real quick. You heard what they said? They and said bump them out. Don't want to play them. And then it's six. Don't want to play who? Lake. If they fully but strength. They're fully strength now. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, in the playing tournament, maybe. But no, saying, I think it's they, the other way around. I think it's the other way around. Right. I think Portland. Is around in that AC, and I don't think the Lakers want to play Portland. You're probably so, but I'm saying most teams in the West don't want to play them. If they play but, AD and, and LeBron, eighty percent, ninety percent. I don't. Games. I don't agree with that yeah. right now. That's what ESPN. That's yeah, what I don't agree with that right now because they because they fell from third right. when the guys were healthy, when right. their key guys were healthy. Right. Their key guys went out. Yeah. They hovered for a little bit around four or five. Yeah, I'm a late, so I don't think they now. Eight, now they're down yeah. to seven, so yeah. they're basically. Right. If the season ended today, they would be in the play-in tournament. Let's just put it that yeah, way. Yeah, but they said they, they will not. A lot of teams don't want to put, meet them in the first round. I don't think, and I think that could be money? that could be some of the issue with LeBron being upset with it now. Yeah, because I think it's Portland. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think it's Portland that's right behind them that they would have to play. I won't play them. And I don't think they don't want to play. I don't think the Lakers want to play Portland right now going in to get into that game to get in. I really don't want to think. I really don't think they want to do that right now. Utah has suffered a major injury. Um, Jokic is is basically trying to keep them afloat. They have shooting. So that's always a good thing to keep them afloat. But the team that... I wouldn't want to play right now in the West would be the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, true, true. Facts. I definitely wouldn't want to play them right now. And they have moved from being just about out of the playoff contention into the number two seed in the West. Utah don't scare me. Portland scares me a little bit. I'm not scared of a... uh, There's a lot of of questions behind... Uh, those statements um, from LeBron James, that statement from LeBron James, which leads you, you know, you can go a lot of different ways with it. And I just don't get it. Like, I don't understand, you know, if you look at the Eastern Conference, the top three teams have stayed that way the entire season. The, The Bucks have been in third place all season long. The Sixers and the Nets have been back and forth one and two all season long. The rest of the the rest of the division, the rest of the conference has been shaken up a lot um throughout the most throughout the last month or so. Right. So I think the play in tournament has its good where you have some teams that could have gotten in, but maybe just because of their record, right. didn't get in. So they now they have the opportunity to show that they belong and they can get in. Right. But that Western has almost taken a change from 2 to 10. It's taken a change. The only constant that's been there is that the Utah Jazz have been number one seed all season long. Yeah. David, Carl E. Tucker just chimed in. He loved the show. He, he took tunes in every week. He says the NBA can't get it, get it, get it on regular season together. The Sixers played San Antonio last night, fly out to play Chicago tonight, and fly back to Texas well, to play Houston. Well, that's because it was a shortened season. Yeah. It would be different if it hadn't been a pandemic right. and it had been a regular eighty-two game season. Right. The logistics and all that travel would have been a lot better. True. I mean, that's still, to me, that that's no 
excuse. I mean, I know right. it is a little unorthodox, right. but I don't look at that as an excuse. It's just the way that the shortened schedule was set up. Right. You know, um, the bottom line is the Sixers, and we just talked about their young players, right. and, and then we were talking about the Lakers in comparison, is the right. fact that they held it down yeah. when Joel was out and when Ben was out. Yeah, they did what they were supposed to do. Right. And, you know, coaching plays a part in it, too. I understand the NBA is about the players, it's entertainment, whatever, but coaching plays a part in it, too. Um, you see how the Sixers have come together as a unit. Like I said, the second unit is gaining more confidence. They're getting better together. So a coaching is a little bit in it. And guys just have to have the wherewithal to understand what's at stake. The Lakers just had some pieces and and brought in some pieces that maybe just didn't fit. And maybe they're starting to realize that with their their descend from the top five in the West. Maybe they're starting to see that. The same thing with Brooklyn. They brought in pieces and were expected to basically run away with the East, and that hasn't been the case. All three of those guys have been hurt yeah. multiple times. So, you know, it, it's it's imperative that you bring excuse me that you bring in the right pieces. Right. Uh, they lost to Milwaukee yesterday. Right. Brooklyn did. A good team, I'm not saying that they're not a yeah. good team. But again, like I said, all that talent that they brought in, and they were supposed to run away with the East, now they're a half a game out of first place. A lot of teams don't want to play. That means they're fully stripped. Okay. James Harden come back. He has to show me that he can play. And it depends. But see, the difference difference is, and like Baldy has said, mentioned, the difference with them is the fact that it's going to come down to the talent, Right. And the gelling of those three stars, because yeah. you haven't seen them a lot together. They was only together like eight, ten times. You haven't seen them a lot together, right? Uh, and we broke it down here before. You've got two of those stars that have won championships. One has won multiple Kyrie championships. Irving, um, James Harden has not won a championship. He's been a scoring leader. He's been an MVP, right. but he has not won a championship. All three of these guys are ball dominant, right? James Harden. So, it's going to come down to how they figure it out going into the playoffs. Right. And that's going to be a big issue for them. Like, you look at Milwaukee, and you look at Mark Milwaukee, and you understand Giannis and Chris Middleton are our two All-Stars. Drew Holiday is the third piece, but he's a very good third piece. Right. Okay. And you flip and you look at the Sixers, Joel and Ben and Tobias are our stars. Sure. But you also have other key pieces. You got Dwight Howard that's having a very good season um, off the bench. You got Shake Milton that is developing into a six-man, into a bigger role. They brought in George Hill to manage and help manage late-game issues on court to help out Ben Simmons. They've got a little bit of shooting in Seth Curry, Danny Green, and Furkan Korkmaz. Right. And again, 
these guys had an agenda and, and they stuck together and played together and never faltered lower than the number two right. seed. Even when key guys were hurt, they never faltered lower than the number two seed. And again, on the flip side, just to call a spade a spade, Milwaukee has been in, because of the talent level, Milwaukee's just been in third place. Oh, but yeah. they've been there. They've been steady the entire year. Like I said, the whole landscape of the West has changed from the beginning of the season, except for Utah, that's still the number one seed. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I don't know. Um, right now, the Sixers can win it all. Yeah, Charlotte said he's going to win it all. I, I think they have a very good shot. Now, anybody that goes into the playoffs has a shot, but I think the Sixers have a very good shot at winning it all. But they have to stay focused. Like I said, they got to do what they got to do these next eight, nine games and beat these teams that they need to beat. Yeah, Carl said Focon immediately was playing hard with some playoff minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, he's growing. I mean, and you can tell, this is where I said where the coaching comes in, there's the difference in the coaching staff where Mm – you had, at the end of the season last year, you had guys that were on this roster, that even guys that are no longer on this roster, right. who said in public and in the media that they were unsure of what they were supposed to do in certain moments of games or in key moments True. of games. Right. That is coaching. Mm-hmm. And again, <clears throat> I like Brett Brown as a coach. Dying he just, coach. in my opinion, <clears throat> excuse me, wasn't the coach for that group yeah. to get the best out of them and have them succeed to where they are right, right now. Doc, Doc, had experience. And he played Doc is a better coach. And again, it goes back to that word I said a few about a month ago, right. accountability. Right. These guys are now being held accountable for right. everything that they do. Right. That's a difference in um, styles and a difference in the, the, the level of success that teams have progressing forward. So we'll see what happens. Like I said, we've got eight, nine games left. Right. Um, a little bit formidable, favorable like the for the, the Sixers. The, the, I think so. The um, Brooklyn has some tough games still left in there. They got, they got Milwaukee again tomorrow. Okay. Okay. So they won't win that game. Uh, We'll see. They will. I, you know, and they've got a couple other games. We mentioned them last week. they got a couple games down the stretch. That could be some very, very – that could be some tough games yeah. for them yeah. to get through. So, moving along, right. last couple things uh, before we get out of here. Um, so we're going to stay with the NBA theme, theme right now. And currently in the NBA, there are five – full-time female referees and it's a bit of a game changer Mm -hmm. for the nba um there is lauren holtkamp sterling simone jokes ashley moyer glake jenna schroeder and natalie sago all who have taken lessons from violet palmer who was the first female official in the NBA. Right. And it's changing the game where you have and D. Cantor uh, were the first full-time women referees ever to work in the NBA. Uh-huh. And that was back in 97. Okay. Okay, so now we're in 2021. Right. 
and we had five full-time female NBA referees, which is changing the game. And right. kudos to them for mm-hmm. uh, breaking the barrier in a male-dominated field right. for them. Some of them even have had some encouragement from some of the um, long-standing male referees and some of the past uh, male referees. So it's a beautiful thing that they can be involved in this uh, situation and enlighten and and inspire some some younger ladies who are basketball fans that they have another avenue where they can be be attached to the game, where they may not be skilled or athletic enough to make the league as a player right. in the WNBA or whatever, or uh, not, or have a career-ending injury that may end their career early when they can still have a love for the game and they want to be attached to the game. Up, Here's man? another way, other than coaching, that they can be attached to the game. And the respect will be there due to Violet Palmer and D. Cantor and these other five young ladies that I've just mentioned right. that are that either have or are gaining their respect of their male counterparts right. and a lot of the coaching staff, male coaching staff within the NBA. Exactly. So it's a beautiful thing to see that, and I just hope that that door will open a little bit more to get some more women in right. so that, the, like I said, um, there's a love for the game on all – Facets. How many females are referees in the NFL? Like two? Uh, I think it's like two. Yeah. So, yeah. hopefully, again, like I said, hopefully that will open the door, right. will keep the door open yeah, exactly. for some other females to get in right. and, like get, like I said, be attached right. to the game um, in other ways than being a player or a coach. Real quick, dude, I know we've got that much time. Sean Williams said, I like the diversity of referees, but the short Caucasian female ref is the worst. <laughs> Well, she's probably, I don't know which one exactly that is, but it's a learning process. Right. And you have to understand that a lot of those women have started out just in, like, community leagues or minor leagues. Right. There's a lot of female referees in the G League. Mm-hmm. The NBA is a different animal than women's NCAA, men's NCAA, and the G League. Right. It's a difference in right. the NBA. Definitely. You've got bigger, stronger, faster athletes. Right that you have to try and keep up with. Right. And it's a challenge, but I think they're doing um, a decent job. I like it. You know, I have had some questions, but I've had questions about refereeing in general over over several sports for the last couple of yeah, years. You used to be a referee. Yeah. Right. Um, right. I'm still currently certified right. as a referee. Right, right. But that is, if you don't understand, that is a very, very difficult job. Right. And like we talked a couple of weeks ago, that's the reason that they allegedly brought in a third referee right. to help out in the NBA because the game has changed so much and you need that extra set of eyes. Um, there has been, uh, I mentioned to you earlier about the uh, case with Roberto Alomar, who has been removed from, the major, from Major League Baseball due to sexual misconduct allegations. And I also mentioned at that moment, which seems to be the ongoing uh, constant within a lot of these sports and things that are getting um, reported. There's been a more recent report of involving LSU, where they allegedly covered up 
more sexual misconduct and dating violence amongst the ranks there. Uh, it's getting out of control. It's getting out of hand. And I don't know what can be done to bring it to a head and get it handled. But it is out of control. Like the lawsuit that is alleged now um, involving LSU, it's a 124-page lawsuit. Okay. Um, it's filed by, and this is covering all sports. It's not just um, specific to certain sports. The LSU case is filed by former tennis player, um, three former tennis players, and a former LSU athletic department student worker and a senior um, at the University of LSU. Uh, the plaintiffs accused the university of prioritizing its reputation in football program over their safety and creating a culture of silence when it came to reporting Title IX offenses. They are seeking $5 million in damages plus court costs and permanent injunction requiring compliance with Title IX and recurring ex- external audits of LSU's Title IX compliance. Okay. So it's a big issue with the sexual misconduct. Um, it even goes back to Darius Geis, mm-hmm. who was involved in a lawsuit. Okay. Um, you know, this comes on the wake of him being got, him being banned by LSU. Okay. Um, there's a young lady that says she was raped by him in 2016. He said the father told the coach and he didn't want to believe it. Okay. Uh, says she met guys one night at a bar. She woke up the next morning in her apartment undressed with his wallet on her couch. So I don't understand what's going on with this, but there is an issue and there is a problem with these players and these uh, players and these officials with these sexual misconduct um, issues Mm -hmm. that are going on. And I also mentioned that Florida has made an amendment to institute the NIL law effective July 1st of this year. What that means is it's the name, image, and likeness bill or law for college athletes to earn a profit off of their own name, their image, and their likeness. They can even get an agent to help them financially, which I think is a long time it's been a long time coming. I feel like they should have been, this should have been instituted several years back. Right. Uh, and again, I, I always say it resorts me back to or reverts me back to the Ben Simmons documentary where he made a statement, and I'm paraphrasing, where he says, I walk around the university, and ironically, he was at LSU. I walk around the university and I have students and other people wearing my jersey and the profits from those selling of those jerseys goes to the NCAA and to the school. Why can't I get something off of that? And it's my name. I'm the one that's made that name for the school. 
I'm the one that's wearing that uniform, and it's my name, and I should be able to benefit or profit from my own name, my image, mm -hmm. and my likeness. Exactly. So there are other states that are in the process of approving this bill. Right. Um, hopefully, a lot more states will come into it within the next couple years, and it will be a great thing for these amateur college players, men and women, especially on the women's side, because they have to fight so much harder, you know, to get to that professional level and, and earn the money uh, anywhere comp comparable to what the men get. And we talked about the disparity in the NCAA with the men's and the women's <coughs> issues and all of that. It's the same thing with the pros as well. So hopefully they can start there at the college level and help these women get a better start and have a better future. And the men, as far as in co as far as at the college level mm -hmm. as well. So, also, the issues I have with the NCAA, and then I'm coming to the point where they have this bill or this law that is being uh, reviewed in the several states. It's been passed in a couple. It's being reviewed in several others. The simple fact that I understand that they they label them as amateurs, but it's a multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar business that's being run as far as athletic programs and some a lot of these major major universities and institutions. Um, I mean, you look at March Madness, for example. One of the most anticipated moments in sport, events in sports, every year. Super Bowl probably number one. Every year. So. There needs to be some compensation for these young people, these young student athletes, who sacrifice a lot. They are not held to the same standards as regular student students on universities. They their schedules are very hectic. Um, they do a lot. They bring in a lot of revenue for the university, so they should be privy. In my opinion, they should be privy to some of that. They should be compensated for um, their work, the work that they do to bring in all this money for these universities. So hopefully that will change for the better. Uh, overall, again, getting back to the NBA and the playoff situation, I think this playoff thing is it's good and bad. Like I said, I, the way that I would change it, it has its good things where, and, and it it also is showing that it could be a good thing with the comments that LeBron James made either last late last night or early this morning, where now he's upset about it and the person that fed it should be fired. It, it it gives you that incentive to push on. It gives teams a little bit of an edge now. Like I said with the Sixers, it's giving them an edge where they need to be in that number one seat. Right. It's giving teams an edge on the other side as far as the West when we see how that landscape has changed dramatically from the beginning of the season, from the start of the season. Right. It also has put players in positions that they are very uncomfortable in, hence the comments that LeBron James made. Coming off of winning the championship, being in the championship 10 straight years or whatever number it was, right. now you're possibly looking at playing in a playing tournament 
in a one and done situation. Right. Puts you in a different situation, if you will. Right. It makes your it kind of strikes your ego a little bit, if you will, right. in that situation. Uh, unfortunately, he did get injured, but that's why it's a team sport. You have other players that should be able to hold it down, hold down the fort while you're out, be able to sustain some runs and keep you uh, where you want to be. Right. Ultimately, that didn't happen this year for them. So there's some frustration there. And the frustration is being let out in the comments, in some of the comments that are being made. Mm -hmm. It also is some incentive for some of the teams that would have fought and just maybe a game or two didn't get in because they only picked the top eight teams to make the playoffs. So it gives them some incentive, some uh, inspiration that says, oh, we do this. We can get in and, you know, we never never know what happens in the playoffs. Playoffs is a whole different animal. Anything can happen in the playoffs. Yeah. So with that being said, another great show in the books. Yes, Again, the Morning Rush will be talking about foster children, foster care issues great all time. week long. Yeah. So feel free to call them in. They're on every, mor- every morning, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 11 I will definitely be tuned in and possibly adding some insight where I can, oh, when yeah, I can. Oh, yeah. Again, interview opportunities are available. Sponsorship opportunities are available. DM me on Instagram at sportswrap underscore D or message me in the group, sportswrap podcast on Facebook, or just send me an email with your serious inquiry at sportswrap at yahoo.com. It is Monday, the beginning of a work week. It's pretty nice outside. I'm looking out and I see the sun. It's a little cloudy, but it's a little real drizzle today. Enjoy your Monday. Yes, sir. Get your week started. As we like to say, be great on purpose. Purpose. You know where to find me. I just gave it to you. At SportsRap underscore D on Instagram and Twitter. Facebook, SportsRap Podcast. The webpage you can check out, SportsRapRadio.com. You can get... The audio of the podcast, if you missed anything this morning, on iHeart, Spreaker, Google, and most of your podcast outlets. You can catch video later this week on YouTube. Search Sports Rap TV. That's where you'll find us. You'll see us all week long on social media. Right back here on Monday, 11 a.m. And again, lastly, again, like I said, be great on purpose. We'll see you. All week on social media and next week right here in studio. Talk to you all. Enjoy your day.